coming up, we'll give you our tips on planning your next Walt Disney World vacation. Coming to you live from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, this is the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged, episode number 672 for the week of January 21st, 2014. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. When booking your next Disney Cruise Line vacation, Dreams Unlimited can get you a shipboard credit up to $1,000. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Well, welcome uh, back to the show, everybody. I want to apologize for the uh, abrupt end to the last show. while I was sitting here, I got a text from Walter that he'd been in a car accident. He is fine. Um, but, uh, you know, it's kind of unnerving when you see that. So I wanted to just make sure everything was okay and everything is okay. Some jerk cut him off over on Bumby. And, uh, John's a, here. I wonder who it was. Caused a three car. Because a three-car accident with Walter in the middle. Oh, so, God. Oh, God. But he's all right. He's all right. Car sustained some damage, but... That happened to me one time. Um, I was cleaning Max's ear out with a Q-tip, and I rear-ended somebody. And oh. then somebody ran into me. In your bathroom? <laughs> in the car when he was a baby. Okay, Q-tips in cars now. <laughs> all right. I'm glad he's all right. Well... As I said uh, earlier, uh, we are going to talk about some practical tips and advice for planning your next Disney World vacation. After all, it is January, and this is the popular time of year for a lot of people to start making those plans. So we thought a segment kind of outlining some some things that even for veterans we can tend to forget uh, might be a good idea. So we are going to start off uh, talking with Ms. Teresa. Oh my! We're coming right to you, and uh, okay. And you were you're going to talk what? about uh, some info on choosing the right yeah, hotel. Yeah, um, right hotel for your budget and um, and the right packages and what you should and shouldn't do. Um, I think one of the key things when you when you decide you're going to take a trip would be to um, decide how much money you're going to spend. You know, kind of give yourself a budget. I think. For for me, I agree. That was weird. There I am. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Can I? Having some oh, yeah. some video issues. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Go Can ahead, I, John. I want to interrupt you real quick before yeah. we start. One of the things that happens in the trip planning segments is we try to talk about where you should stay, when you should go, how long, what kind of ticket. I think it's really important for people to understand that these are really personal choices. For you to come to us and say, listen, when's the best time to go? I think so many people have different opinions of when the best time to go is. So it's all about what's important to you. And so if you're looking at it from a budget perspective, I think that's where you can provide a best resort or best when to go or best package. This necessarily might not be what's best for everybody because it's a personal option. Well, when when a client would email me and they would want me to plan their entire trip, which I have no trouble doing, um, you have to have some information ready. Whether you're going to use an agent or you're going to do it on your own, you should sit down as a family and decide what's important, what you want, what you need. Um, the parents or the adults would decide what you know, how much money kind of because you can have an idea in your head what you want to spend. I think before you start anything, you have to decide when. When, yeah. Well, then, and that you have to take consideration. Um, you know, are you willing to take your children out of school and go at a um, least expensive time? 
than you know peak times in the summer when everybody's out of school and the price goes up or spring break. Well, again, I think those are a lot of the the, the personal decisions right. you you have to make. But let's talk about hotel choices. Um, very important decision uh, choosing hotel. And again, this is also a personal choice, but. But, um, well, I think you need to choose what best suits your family. Um, and in the budget standpoint, do you want to go to a value, a moderate, or um, a deluxe? Do you want to stay on property or off property? Um, what's important to you? Um, you might want to look at, see what discounts are available. They're not always available at all the resorts. So you need to pick, you know, if that's important to you. Also, um, what's available for the time you want to go. Um, and look at your um, personal interests of your children. If your children are small, you want to go to a, a resort, I think, that would um, suit them more, like Art of Animation or one of the All-Stars or someplace that has a lot of kid-friendly, a lot of um, Well, I think pop. all the Disney resorts are, well, they do. are, are kid-friendly. You know, I, I think uh, you, you have two types of people, I think, when it comes to choosing hotels. You've got the people who are, I just want a room. I'm only going to sleep there. Um, and if that's your attitude, then off property or Disney value resorts, I think are your best, are obviously your best choice. So you're going to spend the least amount of money and you'll get a clean room depending, well, off property, it depends on where you pick, but you'll get a clean room and, you know, and with the all-star resorts in particular, um, you're talking about, you know, in some cases, you know, below a hundred dollars a night and you have a lot of those, you know, the kids love the pool, um, the pools and the theming well, is, is one of the things that I love about all the Disney resorts. You go to any of them, whether it's a, a, a value, a moderate or, or a deluxe and go out to the pools and throughout the day and into the night, there are all these organized activities yeah. that are going on for the kids. And it I mean, it starts in the morning and goes all the way through at night. And then, of course, they always do the. Uh, uh, the the nighttime movies, the movies by the pool, with a big yeah. inflatable movie screen, but you know it's it's all going to depend on the amenities you want. If you just want a room, yeah, the value resorts are are a great choice. If you want a little more than a room, you've got the moderates. Uh, personally, my favorite, even though we're showing uh, uh, Port Orleans Riverside there, even though we're showing um, Pete's personal house, yes, <laughs> right. Pete's house. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, after our our seven and seven last year. Uh, Coronado Springs um, is that was just I had always written that that resort yeah. off and I was blown away by it and have had a lot of people say that as a result of that they made the choice to stay there and they've become fans of Coronado and I think it's a lot easier to get some good rates at Coronado because it's not as popular as some of the other ones um, and uh, you know also better availability so you know. I also encourage people to be flexible a little bit because Teresa touched on discounts. So let's say you, you decide, okay, I'm going to stay at the All-Stars because they have the cheapest room and that's the best uh, price I can get. However, a discount may come out for a moderate that makes it beneficial for you to right. move to a moderate resort and not stay at an All-Star. Things like dining, free dining comes out. Right. So if you're flexible in where you're willing to stay, that's going to help you the most with your budget, that I'm not locked into a certain resort to have to be there. Right. And I think also, um, you're talking about dining. Free dining is a good option if when it's out, but if it's if there is no free dining offered, um, think about if that's a good choice for your family to have the dining plan or not because some people, it, it would be a, a good choice and other families, I think, would have um, 
they wouldn't get benefit from it. Well, I right. think free dining is always a good choice. Yeah. Oh, it is. But I'm are. saying if, if free dining is not available. Right. Whether or not to add the dining plan. Right, to add the dining plan. How well, your family eats, how much they'll eat, when you think they'll eat. Um, and, of course, there's all the different options. Quick service, regular right. dining, deluxe dining. Um, you know, it's really, again, a personal choice of what you think is best. And, again, that's another thing to be flexible on. Because then you may get that discount that comes out where you say, okay, it's, now I can add dining. I can get a better resort. Because now my dining is completely right. free or meals are free. Well, my you know my personal recommendations where the resorts are concerned in the value category, art of animation, even though the family suites are very expensive, they're running about two to $300 a night, the uh, uh, rooms in the uh, uh, Little, Mermaid. Little Mermaid building, those are standard uh, value rooms. Right. And those are standard value prices. And you have that amazing food court, which I think is the greatest – Asset going for art of animation. The food court is a completely different concept than what you're seeing at the other resorts, and the food is amazing. Um, And it's a very great pool and great environment. Um, So, in the value category, if you can get into the Little Mermaid building, I think over at uh, Art of Animation, that's probably my my choice. Uh, Coronado Springs in the uh, in the moderate category. And in the deluxe category, if you're going to spend the money, I would say either Animal Kingdom Lodge or Polly. Um, those are my two favorites. Even though Wilderness Lodge now with its uh, uh, most recent rehab is uh, now once again a four-diamond AAA resort. Is it really? Um, it had lost back, its yeah. it had, had lost its fourth diamond there <laughs> for a while, and they just got it back. So that was good news for them. Uh, but Wilderness Lodge was another one I wrote off that uh, I, after being there uh, during the 7 and 7 um, I got a much a, a new appreciation for it and found that I would I would stay there again. But honestly, the Polly uh, remains my favorite um, and uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge a close second. But in, those are my recommendations. I, I realize, you know, you guys may have other. I like Fort Wilderness. Fort Wilderness, the cabins. Um, from great, a family standpoint. From a family like standpoint. That. Again, you're in the the high twos, low threes a night, um, 250 to 325 a night. For those cabins, but um, you're going to sleep. Uh, you could have two adults in the bedroom, two adults in the uh, pullout, or in the in the Murphy bed, and two kids in the, uh, the bunks. In the bunks. So I mean, you can sleep six people comfortably in that, and it's a full kitchen. There's a full kitchen, and it's just really cool. Yeah. It's just a cool place to stay. But again, now that's up in the you're paying you're paying deluxe prices, even though Disney categorizes that as a moderate. Right. Um, you know, the same way they categorize the family suites at Art of Animation as a value, yet they're $300 a night sometimes. So Yeah. But John's right. You need to be flexible. Because if you're not, you know, don't lock yourself in. Some people do want to go to the back to the exact same resort every time. But um, I've had clients that have switched resorts and been quite happy with, with um, something different. And you can always go back and you don't have to stay at the resort to go see the resort, you know, or go over there and eat. So you have to remember that, too. One of the things I like to... To deter people from doing, I know this is very popular and people probably disagree with me. I deter you from uh, resort hopping. There's a lot of people who feel like, well, I'm going to spend two days here and two days here and two days here because that gives me a taste of each resort. To me, that feels like you're wasting so much of your time packing mm-hmm. and, and unpacking moving, and moving, yeah, and getting I agree. your stuff moved around. 
I realize it's something that's tempting, especially if you think, well, I can only afford two nights at a very expensive resort. Mm-hmm. You know, I think give that a consideration. I think a for note. people who come alone and lots of people who travel alone, I think resort hopping could be fun yeah. because you're not really unpacking that much. If you're even unpacking at all, unless you know, probably just your toilet. Imagine you and your family. Your but there is no way that <laughs> I, I would do say. that with my kids. Exactly. But a, a good way to, to try two different resorts, though, is a pre and a post night on a cruise i have a yeah. lot of clients that will do a pre-night at one resort and then a post post couple nights at a different resort and it really works out well and you get a little bit of everything yeah i haven't stayed at a lot of resorts especially not with the kids more resorts with just me and Corey. um but we did art of animation and we've done contemporary with ferris and finley and with taylor actually so three kids <laughs> um out of the two contemporary and not just because it's you know, a nicer, in some people's opinion, a nicer resort, but because of the convenience of everything. Yeah. Being able to go right downstairs and have breakfast or have it delivered. Um, getting on the monorail, not having to get into our car or a bus to drive over. Or even walking, walking to the Magic Kingdom. Right, and we did that. You know? um, being able to watch the fireworks at night was really great for all of us. We loved it. There's a arcade down there, you know, just letting them just be able to run around, even like in some of the upper convention levels when there's yeah. no convention going <laughs> right. on. Right. Yeah. It's just free space. Run. Get yeah. after it, kids. <laughs> you know? I mean, we really, really enjoyed our time there. Um, and I, I enjoyed the pool, too. Being on the lake was really yeah. nice. Yeah. I think a key um, to start planning your trip, a key thing is to do your research and know as much as you can about what you want and what your family wants before you start looking at numbers and booking. And if you, you need help, by all means, use an agent and, and use with their knowledge and the knowledge of you know that everybody knows um, comes with experience. So I, I just think it's. I would say get on disboards, not to push disboards, but well, we I go there. I go there a lot to find out information that I need. Well, here's a, the deal: is that they're so popular because there's so much information and people need that. Yeah. I mean, if it, Disney wasn't so confusing, you know. Planning a trip to Disney World is the equivalent of uh, planning a trip to a major city. Yeah. yeah. There's so many options and so many choices that you're actually, you know, you have to think of it that way. I think a lot of people think, oh, it's a park. Or people who, who, who haven't been think, oh, it's just one park or it's a resort. It's really planning a trip to a major city. All right, we also asked uh, John and Kevin to uh, talk to some of our Dreams Unlimited travel agents about some of the questions they get most commonly from people planning their trip, and let's talk a little bit about that. Right. Well, obviously the biggest thing now that's added the the most stress and confusion to everything is the My Disney Experience, FastPass Plus, and Magic Bands. Because now on top of having to pick a resort and pick a time and pick a package and where you're going to dine, now you have to think about uh, what um, FastPasses I'm going to get and what attractions I'm going to go to. And that will influence what days you go to a parks. And um, one of our agents, Stacy Wood, put it very, very well, and she sort of sums it up, and she says what she does is she tells people, try not to think of this as one big thing. Like, oh my gosh, I have to do all these things. She said, try to pull it apart. Step one, get your resort reservation. Figure out where you want to stay. Step two, set up your My Disney Experience. Uh, and three, choose choose and book your dining. And four, do your fast pass and order your magic bands. I think this is an important point. Um, and we were kind of talking about this in the last segment that, you know, especially with the addition of Fast Pass Plus and My Disney Experience, it's starting to become overwhelming, even for people who uh, are experts at it. Um, and, you know, a friend of mine once said, do you know the best way to eat an elephant? 
I'm like, how? One bite at a time. Um, so kind of breaking it down into those bite-sized pieces rather than trying to be overwhelmed by the entirety of this of this seemingly daunting task of figuring out where to stay, when to go, what you know, what what having to figure out your fast passes nine months in advance. Um, kind of break it down. Kind of figure out, you know, the, the prioritize what's important to you. Get all that stuff down. Kind of get a general plan, and then take it once one piece at a time. And that would help, I think, with uh, uh, with with the, with the, that feeling of being overwhelmed. I think that's a, a good suggestion. She also says, you know, try not to get bogged down in the technology of it. This is great. This my Disney experience has really been helpful because people can see the plans there, and they have everything in front of them, and you can see your dining and all that great stuff. She said the problem is, is that people come back and say, my husband spent the whole time with his nose in his iPhone or his nose in his iPad looking at my Disney experience on his phone, mm-hmm. and he didn't enjoy the park. So try to remember that this is a tool to help you plan. This isn't something to sort of take away from your experience at Disney. And while planning is a great, you know, a, a great thing to do for a trip to Disney World, as long as you're willing to accept you're going to have to be very flexible, there is also the option of just having the extemporaneous experience. Of just, show, of just you know, making some basic plans, um, showing up and seeing what happens. Um, and letting the fun be the excitement of having it unfold however it's supposed to unfold. Um, I realize not everybody, I, I realize that's heresy coming from the man who owns disboards.com. But the fact is that sometimes if it is too overwhelming, you know what? As long as you're willing to accept you may not get the dining reservations you want, you may not get the fast passes you want. If you go into it with that expectation already set, you can take a lot of pressure off yourself and just say, you know what? I want to take my family to Disney World. I'll make some plans, but I'm not going to go through all this. And as long as you're aware of what that entails, that you may not get some of the things that you most want to get, um, you may find some things that you never would have thought of uh, by not planning the hell out of your trip to within an inch of its life. And I also think, because most of the people that come here do have children, you know, I don't want to exclude anybody, but most of the people who travel here do have kids and that is the right way to play and compete because if you plan so much when you have especially small children infants and toddlers it's not going to work out the way you want and then you're going to get stressed when it doesn't so in my opinion do what pete said especially with those smaller children and just take your time make some plans and then let everything else sort of fall into place go with it i would i would also add that you should in my opinion you should take some time to do things outside of the park uh, there's a lot of activities available at Disney World that people seem to forget about when they're planning these militaristic operations of marauding through the park. Right. I, there's a lot to see and do outside of that. So I think that's you know, and and make no, I'm sorry, make no mistake that you know when you when you plan like that, you will get more for your money. A, a lot of times you will get more for your money, but you may not necessarily have a better experience. That's true. Um, There's the old expression, life happens. Life is what happens while you're making the other plans. plans. Yeah, exactly. I have, uh, let me just give another, I have a really good tip from Beth Zada, uh, another one of our dreams agents. She says one of the biggest problems she has with my Disney experience is when people enter something incorrectly. Just a mistake. Sometimes you might spell something wrong or you might enter somebody's name twice. She says this has become the biggest problem for people because now you have to go to Disney technical support. and have it fixed and she said it usually is days and it takes a long time Uh, at Dreams Unlimited Travel not to make this all about 
booking with a travel agent, but your agent will work with you and will actually work in your My Disney experience. And so let them set it up for you. Let that be the thing so that hopefully fewer mistakes are made. Um, you know, just be careful of that, that if you do make a mistake or there's an issue, it's really hard to get it fixed and to get it um, changed. Always look twice. Just like when you enter your credit card when you're buying something online, no. make sure your number's correct, make sure your name is spelled correctly. <laughs> I, I just, I'll, I'll make a quick little anecdote, anecdote about that. I was doing something with PayPal, and I meant to transfer $500 from my checking account into my PayPal account. And I wasn't paying attention, and I did $5,000. And before I caught it, I hit submit, and I called PayPal. Oh, my God, oh, my God. They said, nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. So I thankfully had enough money in there to do the, just barely, to do the transfer. But that money was then tied up uh, for me for like seven days uh, between getting it from PayPal, from my account to PayPal, and from PayPal back to my account. But anyway, um, you know, uh, talking a little bit about you know, traveling with younger kids and some of the uh, challenges that that brings up. Julie, you have some. Um, you know, I just was going to kind of go over some some things that, not as far as like you know, choosing your resort or flying with children. I've talked about that before, but I think your stroller is really important. And whether or not you're going to bring your own or if you're going to rent, um, I would suggest renting. And not necessarily from Disney. I, I was going to recommend Orlando Stroller Rentals, which yes. I know you need to make. Yeah, we, uh, Orlando Stroller Rentals is an advertiser on the Diz. We do have a financial relationship with them, but they're amazing. That's why they're an advertiser on the Diz. Okay, so um, the strollers that they use. Oh, good. There's my slide. Um, <laughs> they're all city minis, most of them. Uh, they have in, in the city minis, they have two different double strollers and four different single strollers. And these can um, accommodate birth and birth to five years, most of them, and some of them four to six, and some of them even to seven years old. So um, for the city minis, they offer a really big sun canopy, which in my opinion is really important here in Florida. It covers basically almost the whole child. Of course, they recline. Um, they have plenty of storage underneath and on the backs of the each individual seat, especially if you have a double. You're going to have double the storage. <laughs> And um, these can be delivered right to your hotel yes. room and picked up from your hotel. Right. So. And also, one of the reasons I really like it is the fact that you can take it back to the resort. You cannot take the stroller that you rented at the front of the park back to your resort. If you have two sleeping children that you need to transfer, you know, from that from that stroller to your arms and then to the bus or to whatever you're doing to get where you're going, in my opinion, it's just a little bit of a hassle. So being able to keep your stroller with you is important to me. Yeah. Um, they also have a liberty. I would suggest push- oh. that's also true if you're renting an ECV or a wheelchair. Yes, that's true. Yes, yes absolutely. Very true. Um, they also have a liberty push chair, which can be for ages five to ten years old, as long as they're under a hundred pounds. So I know a lot of parents. If you have a special needs child, sometimes they need to be in a you know a combined space for themselves, maybe to feel a little bit safer or protected. Um, I think that's a really great option. And also the Summit X3 double stroller, which will accommodate up to seven years old. It's um. Compared to the Bob, if you are familiar with strollers, which most of you aren't, <laughs> nope. supposedly it's better than the Bob. So I'd say that's good. Um, and then I was going to talk about baby care centers because these are the places that I feel are, are um, important or, and like would be good for diapering or potty time with a small one, um, feeding, whether you are bottle feeding or breastfeeding. Look, there's me changing Ferris. That's at Animal Kingdom. <laughs> um, wow. And most of these places have rooms. See those purple doors? Those are nursing rooms. They're private. They have a rocking chair. They usually have like a small shelf um, and even have outlets. So if you have to 
maybe pump while you're in the park. Um, you could do that. Um, my favorite would be Animal Kingdom because it's super large. They have like a play area as well. They usually sell food, diapers, anything you could possibly need for your kids. Um, just relax. You can nap there. And every one of them has the quiet room for nursing. Um, the one I don't like is at Hollywood Studios. In my opinion, they need to make a bigger one. There's one room for nursing, a teeny, teeny, tiny little changing room, and like one small bathroom, whereas all the rest of them are huge with multiple bathrooms and, you know, plenty of space for everyone that would need to be there. Um, so, but anyway, uh, if you're not near the baby care center, I would recommend a companion bath- bathroom. Corinne, I love those. It makes it so easy for us. If both of them have to go, we go in with both of them. We can, you know, take turns without one parent having to manage both children in the restroom because both of ours are now wearing underwear and um, Finley's fully potty trained. We still have accidents and stuff with Ferris because we're still working on that, which is fine. But being in a teeny tiny little stall in one of the normal bathrooms is not a fun place to change a poopy no. child. I know From that experience. N- <laughs> I know that not everybody has the option, but do you think that there's an age, a minimum age, where people should bring children to Walt Disney World? Do you think there's a point at which you say this child might be too young? For me personally, yes. Um, our kids didn't come until they were two months old, which for safety reasons and health reasons, because they don't get shots until they're two yeah, months old. Yeah. Um, I would not have an infant under six months old in the park, in my opinion. I kind of agree with you. Yeah. On a vacation where you're, especially if you have older children or if you are a, a couple that's just recently had a baby, um, Leave that baby with the grandparents. They would love to watch it. I feel certain. <laughs> and go and have a nice Disney World couples trip. <laughs> right, right. Um, but this is all from my own personal experience, my opinions about bit from, you know, being with Ferris and Finley, who are now five and three and a half years old. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about places that are not attractions in each park that we utilize. Um, Magic Kingdom. We love the walkway from Tomorrowland to back to Storybook Circus by the train station. Um, usually it's not very busy. There is a smoking section back there, but you do not have to walk through it. You can always walk out around it. Mm-hmm. We let Ferris and Finley run. They wave at the train. It's awesome. We love that spot. The people mover, they enjoy riding that. Um, you know, it's a lot to, to look <laughs> so at do and I. see. So it's, it's windy. Might even be a nice place if you, you know, want to nurse or nap there. You know, feed them there. That's I think that's a really great spot. Um, Epcot, the Imagination Pavilion. We go and play in there. We don't even have to do the ride. <laughs> um, we run the maze in the UK. Almost every country has a spot that we utilize. And in Italy, it would be the little platform in the middle, which you little see stage, kids playing yeah. on all the oh, time. Yeah. Yep. Um, we love KidCot spots. They love coloring. And usually they have to get a new bear every time. I try to encourage not doing that. But hey. <laughs> and for those who aren't familiar, KidCot spots are these little areas set up around Epcot. And they call them KidCot. And they have these little activities. And It's only in the World Showcase, though. So every country showcase. will have one. Um, then we also do uh, down between. Like if you're walking from France over the bridge to the UK, you can, if you... Right before you're going to cross the bridge, and you can go down the stairs, and there, I guess it's where they we could watch illuminations and they have Correct. dessert parties. Mm-hmm. Well, during the day, that area is not roped off, and it's pretty much you know only a few ways you can get in there. So if you have small children and two parents, you know I just sort of station someone at the stairs where they can't go back up. They have the best time. They wave at the boats going by. You know, oh mom, look, there's a duck. Whatever. They just it's a space for them to be out of the crowd and not in line. And it's amazing how you, these places that I'm sure you passed by a million times before you had kids, 
and never really thought about <laughs> now have, like you said, they're not attractions, yeah. but they turn into things that you can utilize when you kind of need to get the kids out of the crowd. Right. We love all the boat rides in Epcot, you know, Mexico and Norway. Those are always big highlights. We go in Germany and we just play in the store where all the, the teddy bears and the toys are. Like, they have a great time just walking around and looking at stuff in there. Just outside the International Gateway is a big open space also. Yep. <laughs> so we just try to, you know, of course, do and see the things that are there for your kids, like, you know, Nemo, Turtle Talk, and things right, like the that. Obvious but ones, those yeah. are so obvious. So I just, you know, Corey and I both talked about this and wanted to discuss things that were a little tip. different. Some great tips. Um, Hollywood Studios, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids Playground. Mm-hmm. But I will say this if you are afraid of tight spaces, <laughs> yeah. don't take your small children here because I follow my kids in they don't go in without yeah. me and it's a little nerve wracking I don't really like it so if you don't like that either I would not take your kids there we also like the streets of America there's usually a hydrant that's spitting water so they can play in it um, if it's not busy let them walk the streets of America they have a great time at least my kids do uh, <laughs> and uh, of course Disney Junior Live you cannot miss that if you have kids so do it, see it. My only tip is this. Do not sit in the front of the stage or else your children are not going to be happy because they yeah. will not see anything. I used to I used to work at that attraction, actually, and one of that's one of the biggest complaints I had is because everybody has to sit on the floor. Right. And um, there are a few benches in the back reserved for people who might happen to be in wheelchairs or, well, it's or not, have mobility It's not a issues. screen. It's a puppet show. Right, exactly. And so, you know, they're barely up off the, you know, off the stage. Right, they're, yeah. Well, I mean, they may not be hand puppets, but whatever. Um, and it's Sophia... Uh, <laughs> Doc McStuffins, Jake, and Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. So they've updated it with all of the newer cartoons, which in my opinion is awesome. And then Animal Kingdom, um, we love the dig site and the giant playground. And it's usually, the playground's usually much busier than the dig site. And it's so relaxing. I can just sit there and they just dig. It's so nice. (laughs) And of course, um, both Jungle Treks. Because, you know, those are enclosed and they can walk on their own if your children are walking age. If not, you can bring your stroller. You are allowed. Um... And Rafiki's Planet Watch. My kids like trains. Riding the train. Yay. And petting goats and pigs. That was something else. <laughs> something else Dustin did uh, yeah. when he worked over. Yeah. And it, it is. It's a huge, huge highlight for them. Finley loves bugs. So being inside the Rafiki's Planet Watch, you know, you can look in the glass. You can see spiders and all sorts of crazy insects. And I don't know. She's into that. So, But, yeah. And, of course, any place with a play area where kids can get wet. That's always going to be fun, in my opinion. Always have your bathing suit on hand or a change of clothes. Right. And most moms of small children and toddlers are going to have extra clothes right. no matter what. Um, oh, Corey added something here. Rider swap. So at Disney, you and your others can... Hold on. Okay, so you can... Yeah, saying that you can swap your child to enjoy the bigger rides without having to get back in line. So that's always nice. Well, I thought it was swap your child for one. <laughs> it works best with kids who are too young to be aware dry. of what's going on. It may not be the best plan if you have a three-year-old and everyone else gets to ride. Oh, yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that, Julie. Uh, I think we have some more questions from the co- agents. I have a couple of Kevin? just random things. Uh, the first thing I would tell you is don't believe anybody that tells you that your resort is within walking distance of almost anything. <laughs> Unless it's the contemporary and you're talking about the Magic Kingdom. Right. Outside of that, they're long. Well, People think that if you're on Disney World that you're going to be able to walk <laughs> somewhere. And for the most part, you described it as a big city earlier. It's a big city. You are not going to be able to walk from the Grand Floridian to the, Cal- uh, to the Magic Kingdom. But you can walk from uh, Boardwalk, uh, Yacht and Beach over to Epcot. Right. Uh, there is a walking path uh, in that area. 
uh, back to Hollywood Studios, but that's kind of a long walk. It is a little long. I just um, under your research, your location, right. and where you want to go. Yeah. I think people are shocked to find out how far it really is. Yeah. We see the people dry, dragging their luggage down 192 all the time, and you think, who told you that something that you're going to is within walking distance? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, the other thing I would tell you is a little more esoteric. This, your vacation has cost you a great deal of money. However, everyone else's vacation has cost them a great deal of money. You are not alone in these parks. There is a certain sort of uh, politeness and a certain sort of camaraderie. You are not guaranteed to be first. You will probably have to wait in line. There is no need to knock anyone else down. We hear this all the time. We used to do a segment called Park Peeves. And you really have to be aware of your surroundings. Taking the map out and spreading your arms out and crossing the, the walkway, you're just inconveniencing everyone. Think about where you are. Think about how you can sort of make everyone's time a little easier. I think part of the problem a lot of people have is that the parks can be infuriating. Yeah. You know, people get into that mindset that I'm on vacation. Well, you are, but so is everyone else, and everyone else paid the same amount to get there. So we all would be a little better off if we all thought about other people a little bit further. I agree. That's a good point. I have one. Uh, another Dreams agent, Kelly Ward, said she gets a lot of questions about tickets. And one of the pieces of advice she gives people is when you're going for seven-plus days or seven-plus day trip, do you really need a park hopper? Something to consider is that for that length of stay, you can save a great deal of money if you leave off the park hopping option and decide what day you're going to go to each park. I know a lot of people love to park hop. But this is a great deal of money you can actually save. Yeah, that's so true. Park hopping that, can be expensive. Give that some thought. You know, If you're going to be for a few days, it might be more important, but a longer stay could mean you get to do everything you want to see just one park per visit i can't imagine hopping with kids like especially with small kids yeah uh, that would not be something i would want to do <laughs> i'd rather do the seven days like john says and experience each park and maybe a water park maybe have a day where you don't go anywhere because for small kids if you're going to be here for seven days you know for them being away from home maybe out of their typical routine could be hard on them yeah so you have to think about that when you're planning as far as the number of days. I don't think that there's any set number of days for people with children. Like, you know, oh, you can only come for three days. I would not come for more than three days. I think it's just up to you and your child, your family, and what your needs Budget, are. Budget, your needs, yeah. All right. Uh, Sean and Craig, uh, you're going to talk a little bit about singles, solos, and adults. At All Disney the single World. ladies. Basically, what I kind of focused on was kind of Disney World for adults, like people that don't have kids. So a lot of times people think that coming to um, Disney World, there's a, lot, there's a lot of kids' stuff to do. And what are adults going to do at the parks? Um, so obviously a lot of them have to do with drinking. Um, but I think there are a lot of things that aren't. So uh, just a couple of the unique things that I thought um, adults could focus on doing are uh, kind of hanging out at the resorts, whether it be like renting the boats at Seven Seas Lagoon or Bay Lake. I think that's really fun. You could spend an afternoon doing that. You can like even go to Publix and get subs or whatever. And make a picnic and then go on one of the pontoon boats because you can bring your own food mm-hmm. as long as you don't bring alcohol. They check for, like, I think glass containers or whatever. <laughs> but I think that's a fun idea to go and kind of spend the afternoon on the lake. Um, watching wishes from the beach at the Poly, I think, is a fun way to uh, experience the fireworks and see them, but not in the crowds and not kind of the main traditional way of, of viewing them. Um, and also, I would just say spending the day at Fort Wilderness and getting the golf carts. Because I think that is yeah, so much awesome. fun. That is one of my favorite things in the world to do. Yeah. The golf carts. Are, 
for those not familiar, the way Fort Wilderness is laid out, it is massive. And you have the cabins and you have the campsites. To get around that resort, there are places where you can't drive a car. You can drive a car up to the cabins. You can drive a car up to the campsites. But if you want to go back where the restaurants and the shops and the hoop de doo review are, where the marina is, you really can't drive your car back there. So you rent a golf cart. Now, these golf carts go for $60 plus a day, which is a little ridiculous, but it is so much fun. Yeah, they're expensive, but I think you can make a whole day of it. You could even combine that maybe in doing the whole boat thing at the same time because there's like little parking lots for the golf carts themselves. So you could just down park it water, down by the water. So you could park, go on the boats, whatever, even go to the park for a couple hours, come back, get your golf cart that's just parked there. Um, but then they think have, about it this way too: is if you decide that this is a day you're not going to spend on a park ticket, exactly. You know, that's X number of dollars you haven't spent on a ticket. Sixty dollars for a golf cart seems cheap if four of you can fit into it and Absolutely. have a good time. And I haven't heard about it in a while, but one of the tips we used to tell people was they had excellent fried chicken back. I think it was at the general store. Uh, you, you can uh, at the uh, at Trails End um, on the buffet they have the fried chicken, but you can also go into the takeout window. And get the fried chicken mm-hmm. to go and take it back to your campsite or your uh, cabin or sit out in the lake and have yourself a little picnic. It is um, good. You can take it, rent a pontoon boat, bring it out in the pontoon boat, and hang out in the lake and eat and fried use your hydro flasks. And use your hydro flasks. For water. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go now? Uh, I mean, for me, the the hardest part of it is in planning vacations and even just like being from here and going around is that i'm i'm poor um it's it's very hard to do disney on a budget but we do have the budget boards on the dis boards that help out with that a lot but just in general um anytime i'm there i i don't like to spend extra money uh you know our annual passes are already so expensive so my main tip is to just walk around and enjoy everything and look around at all the small little details. Um, it's there, There's so much to see. You don't have to run around and do every ride, but just, just take the time to actually look at things. If you want to go do rides, uh, be smart and download fun apps for your phone, like Heads Up. The, the game from Ellen. <laughs> from um, Ellen DeGeneres. Like whenever we did Horror Nights over at Universal... Um, all the time, and we were waiting an hour or two for lines. That's the best way to pass time is play heads up, and everyone else starts, you know, and it's getting a fun game. It is a fun there was a book written by a local couple. They lived in Celebration, and I can't remember the name of it. I know this is not going to be very useful, but there's a great okay. guidebook, and it gave really <laughs> explicit details about each attraction. And one of the things that I've always thought would have been fun is if I had the time to go along and really learn everything that I can learn about a specific attraction yeah. or place and see what the details are. Because they, they the details that are included are there whether you see them or not. And Walt used to say that people might not recognize that they were there, but they would notice if they were missing. And I think that would be fun. And going off of that, too, uh, one thing that I've been enjoying doing lately is, like, since I grew up in the 90s, I had all the TGIF shows that took place in Disney and all that. Like, even using that as a trip planning, going back and seeing all those old (laughs) shows that are on. um, and seeing how the meets the mouse. Exactly. I knew you were going to come in with that. But watching all those all the documented history through TV that's... Uh, the historical the, documents. The historical mm-hmm. documents. Um, 
That's how we planned our trip to Hawaii with that old Brady bunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Hawaii Five Your tiki, little tiki on your neck. Hawaii Five yeah. We it's went to the restaurant where they had the steak. I swear. It's it's just always fun to like see what you see on a show or on TV on the Destination America <laughs> specials. Oh, I love those. Yeah. And then once you're there and pointed out, and say, I saw that. I saw that. I saw that. I mean. Kylie and I went to Disneyland back in November, and every time we see even a picture of it, we talk about whenever we walked around there and doing that. And, you know, it seems like a a very simple thing, but sometimes those memories stick with you longer. And that's kind of what going to Disney World's about, is creating amazing memories. You know, as somebody who uh, has done a lot uh, at Disney on multiple coasts and places with uh, someone who was not as big a Disney fan. One of the tips I've mentioned before, um, I don't care what your interests are, there's something at Disney for you. With Walter, you know, uh, that's kind of how we discovered Fort Wilderness. Uh, Walter's thing was definitely the plants and the outdoors, and he fell in love with Fort Wilderness. Um, You know, and a lot of times we hear the stories about, you know, one person wants to go to Disney, the other person's not really into it. when you're planning those trips, make sure you're thinking about your partner, your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, whoever it is, uh, what their interests are. Um, not just necessarily torturing them by making them do all the things yeah. you want to do, but what interests them? What resorts do you think would appeal to their sensibilities? Use what you know about the person you're traveling with and try to consider that in terms. And, and, you know, I, when I started doing that, I found that Walter really started having a, a much better time when we traveled. And there were things that I knew that, you know, he liked, even if it was just like a really cool bar that he would like to go drink at or a, a place that, you know, served a certain type of food that he would really like or, you know, um, certain experiences that he would have that he would respond to. I'd remember that and try and make sure I work those into, uh, in, into the plan. And I always like to make sure I, I mention I mentioned that. So, and the same with your children. You know, um. <clears throat> well, to hell with each other. <laughs> We're talking about couples now. Okay. Um, <laughs> the kids get the kids get to everything at Disney World. No, they don't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but no, just from a standpoint of, of being a couple, uh, usually, I mean, every, every you know, I'm not saying that there are certainly couples where both both are really big Disney fans, but a lot of times you've got the one big Disney fan and the one who not so much. And, you know, it takes a little bit more creativity in terms of planning your trip, but you can find all these things, whether it's spas or the, you know, um, watercraft and watching fireworks from certain locations. You can fish at certain resorts. Fishing. And, you know, that was I another mean, thing we did with Walter. We, you know, we did the fishing thing. And there's something for everybody. There really there is. Really is. There really is. There really is. It's not just, you know, Disney propaganda. I mean, there really is something for anybody. Um, so, you know, it may take a little more digging. It may take a little bit more creativity, but it's an important way to make sure it's a good vacation for the both of you. Thank you, Sean and Craig, for that. And I think we have a couple more things from our agents. Actually, expanding on, expounding on what uh, Craig and Sean just did, Allie Thomas, one of our Dreams agents, says she uh, gets a lot of folks who want to know about, from, who hears from singles, who want to know what's great to do if you're a single traveler. And she says um, she recommends downtown Disney going to Splitsville after 10 p.m. Upstairs becomes an adult area. I've never heard of that. Yeah. 
What goes on there? I think yeah, it's naked really. bowling. What's happening up there? Naked bowling. Strip, strip bowling is what it is. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, she also recommends that you do, instead of doing an actual sit-down dinner, you could hop from restaurant bar to restaurant bar, and this way you get to try a lot of different foods, and you might meet some people. Ooh. So that doesn't feel so alone. Prowling for if you're traveling by yourself. That's another tip for solo travelers is that, uh, you know, when you can't get, uh, well, this is actually true for anybody, but, you know, not, I wouldn't recommend it with kids, but for couples or solos, um, particular restaurant you want to eat at, but you can't get a reservation, they serve food at the bar, and you can almost always get a seat. Yeah. Um, and I've used that. Walter and I have used that. I've used that so many times, it's not funny. Uh, being able to uh, just, you know, we want to eat at Emeralds, and we don't have a reservation over at City Walk, uh, at Universal. Just sit at the bar? Sit at the bar. Sit at the bar. So the they, serve the full, they usually serve the full menu. And most of your servers, your bartenders, they're super friendly and nice and will conversate with you. You may end up, you know, having something in common. You never know. It's a right. small world, people. A lot of these bar areas, too, have seating. Like, I'm not a fan of sitting at the bar and actually eating and facing the bartender. But there are places all over property that have little mm-hmm. tables. Would you Absolutely. rather face a corner? Is that No, because there's usually a mirror behind the bartender. And you're watching oh, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know, the last kind of Big thing, this is a, a problem that's all over, but we seem to face it quite a bit, is that people tend to get very, very um, upset or excited or uh, concerned if they can't get the ADR they want, the advanced dining reservation. You know, there's a, I think people, a lot of people hang their hats on eating at a certain resort, and that's kind of that thing where they say, well, now my vacation's ruined. I can't eat at this restaurant. I would like to take those words out of the English language. Exactly. And what uh, Dorothy Bond, one of our Dreams Unloaded travel agents, says is I like to remind people that there's a cancellation policy. And uh, last-minute cancellations could open up within 48 hours of when you want to dine. Always go to guest relations and always go to the podium of the restaurant and do a walk-up and see what's available. You might not be able to eat right then and there but they might be able to make your reservation for later on so try not to let this i didn't get a chance to eat and i didn't get this reservation that i really want really ruin your vacation you might have to be persistent be persistent be creative and be flexible all right well thanks everybody for your tips we hope you enjoyed it that'll do it for this part of our show we will be back with you again next time with another edition of the Dis Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everyone. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes.